Hello, everyone. I'm Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox podcast. Today, we have a really important show. We have one of my heroes, Jeffrey Smith, on the show, and he's going to be talking about GMOs or genetically modified organisms and glyphosate and how those are related to skyrocketing rates of cancer, diabetes, infertility, obesity, and more. And on this show, we talk about so many just shocking facts how in India, Monsanto, who makes much of uh, the glyphosate and genetically modified seeds, had infiltrated India and caused massive crop failure, massive cotton crop failure. And that resulted in the suicide of 250,000 farmers in India alone. Uh, we also talk about the different types of cancers like non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, liver cancers, bladder cancers, and other cancers caused or correlated shown in research to be correlated to glyphosate ingestion and genetically modified organism ingestion. Uh, we also talk about the landmark cases that have been won against Monsanto, who's now owned by Bayer, and the you know victories of the, the plaintiffs. Uh, there was one, uh, so many people, there's thousands of plaintiffs that had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that won their case against uh, Monsanto. Uh, we also talk about how Monsanto is able to infiltrate governments and farmers and scientists to twist the data, twist the facts. And we talk about all of the insider documents from Monsanto that were revealed that showed their cover-up, showed their deceit, showed their malicious intent in harming other people, harming people in general to sell their products. And we also talk about what you can do on a lighter note, <laughs> what you can do to detox glyphosate, to make better choices. And uh, we talk about the devastating impact of glyphosate and GMOs on your digestive system, your gut microbiome, your ability to make neurotransmitters. We talk about obesity as well. You know, how glyphosate basically chelates all of your minerals out of your body and uh, all the vegetables that you eat that are sprayed with glyphosate also are, have all the minerals chelated out of them and how all, most conventional animals are also fed genetically modified corn, soy, alfalfa, and other food products that are tainted with glyphosate. Um, it's just this vicious cycle. So we discuss all these things and more on this very important podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. I know you guys listening to the show are concerned about your body burden of toxins and want to know what toxins you have in your body. So I created a quiz at heavymetalsquiz.com where you can take a two minute quiz and then afterwards get your results and then get a free video series that talks about many different aspects of detoxification, answers a lot of your frequently asked questions that you're asking about detoxification and how to rid your body of toxins and the health issues that they cause. So go to heavymetalsquiz.com and take it. Our guest today, Jeffrey Smith, is a leading spokesperson on GMO health dangers, and he's authored two global bestsellers, directed five films, delivered 1,000 lectures and 1,000 interviews in 45 countries. He's trained 1,500 speakers and organizations over and over 10,000 
grassroots advocates. He's now sounding the alarm about the serious, even irreversible hazards of the new genetic engineering techniques, which can lead to health and environmental catastrophes. Jeffrey leads the Global Protect Nature Now Coalition, urging governments to stop release of all genetically engineered microbes. You can learn more about Jeffrey and his work at protectnaturenowcoalition.org. Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Great to be here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you became so passionate about glyphosate and GMOs and educating the public about their dangers? 25 years ago, I went to a lecture by a whistleblower. He described how genetically engineered foods would soon be growing that year in Iowa, where I was. And he said that it wasn't ready for prime time. It was dangerous. The technology, which he was a award-winning um, genetic engineer, he said, there's no way that any human being could go in there with current knowledge and safely manipulate the DNA without putting the population and the environment at risk. So I thought I'd help out a little and 25 years later, 45 countries, a thousand lectures, a thousand interviews, two books, five movies. Now I'm, I guess the, the non-GMO guy. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And I, I love your work so much. It's so important. And you, you know, completely changed my life and educated me about the importance of eating an organic diet and avoiding pesticides and genetically modified organisms as well. And just for anyone who's not in the know yet, can you explain what are GMOs and what is glyphosate? Sure. Genetically modified organisms, GMO, either you take genes from one species and force it into the DNA of other species, or you go in there with gene editing tools and you snip and you mess things up. The most common result of genetic engineering is surprise side effects. You can create massive collateral damage in the DNA. You won't necessarily read that by those promoting their ideas. They're gonna say, oh, it'll create this effect and this effect, whereas it typically doesn't always produce what it's supposed to, but it often produces a lot of other things that they end up cleaning up or ignoring. And they've ignored the genetically engineered foods and the safety dangers, which have been predicted and named clearly by the FDA scientists who were asked to weigh in on policy for GMOs. They said it could create toxins, which it does, allergens, which it does, new diseases, nutritional problems and urge their superiors to require testing. But the person in charge of policy at the FDA, Michael Taylor, was Monsanto's former outside attorney, later Monsanto's vice president. Monsanto is the big GMO maker. It was no accident because the White House had instructed the FDA to promote GMOs. And so they're on the market without any safety testing requirements, without any labeling uh, that's of any significance. And the now we know that the concerns raised by the scientists at the FDA in the early 90s have been validated and they have been vindicated. Over on the EPA side, they too were told to promote GMOs, but they also work with their clients to try and get toxic chemicals approved. And there was whistleblowers recently in Washington that did a hearing, five of them, saying that they systematically ignore downplay and rewrite out incriminating evidence about chemicals and other problems in order to satisfy the clients and put the public at risk. We didn't need these five whistleblowers because we had the transcripts from the roundup trials showing that Monsanto had its own lapdogs in the EPA working on their behalf. And that's exactly what happened to get 
glyphosate approved. Glyphosate is the chief poison in Roundup. And when you look at how it was approved, it was based on fraud, manipulation, deceit, ghostwriting, pressure, but not based on science. The manipulation was stunning and it is extremely dangerous. And most GMOs are sprayed with Roundup. Roundup ready soy, corn, cotton, canola, sugar beets, and alfalfa are sprayed with Roundup in the crop stage. It gets absorbed into the crop and we eat it. But Roundup is also sprayed on wheat and oats and barley and lentils and mung beans. And it's found in orange juice and wine and beer. It's nasty and it's around. So we look at both of those. Yeah, I mean, it just completely permeated every part of our lives. Even organic food can have glyphosate if it's located near a farm that's spraying glyphosate. It's sprayed in your neighbor's driveway, all the city parks, all over the United States. It's just unbelievable how this company has infiltrated uh, using this pesticide in every aspect of our lives. That's right. And it's 300 million pounds a year in the United States, and it's found in the rain. It's found in the air, it's found in water, and it operates at very, very low levels. Now, the likelihood of someone avoiding it completely is very low, but we need to do our best to avoid it whenever we can. And it has been linked to more than 30 diseases. When I say linked, it's astounding the evidence we have now, whereas let's say 30 different diseases or more are rising in parallel with the increased use of Roundup on GMO soy and corn or the increase of GMO soy and corn. So is it the Roundup or is it the, is it the GMO? One scientist, Gilles Eric Serolini, a famous toxicologist from France, tried to find out. He took Roundup ready corn and fed it to rats. And for two years, they had multiple massive tumors, early death and organ damage. At the same time, he fed another group of rats, just the Roundup ready corn that hadn't been sprayed multiple massive tumors, early death and organ damage. You could think, aha, it's the corn that's genetically engineered. But another group was fed the Roundup in the drinking water without the corn. And they also had multiple massive tumors, early death and organ damage compared to the controls. So GMOs Roundup individually or together are to be avoided. Very interesting. And I have an, a story about glyphosate. My uh, my brother was given up for adoption and I spoke to him for the first time three years ago. And he's a cotton farmer. And when he called me for the first time, me of all people, he was mixing glyphosate to spray on his crops without any protective clothing or gear. And he had done that his entire life. Whew. And uh, so, yeah, it just really took my breath away. Needless to say, he does have cancer now and is seeking out uh, alternative health treatments for that. And he'll, he's going to be fine. Um, but yeah, it was just um, really shocking how <laughs> I met him and he was mixing glyphosate of all things. So let me, let me take that and run with it for a second. Monsanto's own research showed that people need to have a lot of equipment, gloves and goggles and, you know, the proper suit and boots. And so they internally told their employees to suit up when dealing with Roundup or any glyphosate. And yet in the TV commercials, they showed people in tank tops and shorts and bare feet spraying. 
saying that it was completely safe. This was this came up in the trial as the complete hypocrisy, putting the public at risk and ignoring the health dangers. Now we talked about absorption in the skin. There was a study they, in order to get the pesticide approved, they have to show absorption levels into human skin. So they take cadavers, cut the skin away and add add the roundup to the skin to see how much is absorbed into the dead bodies. And it was over 3.3 times the amount allowable by the EPA. So they never told the EPA, they lied. Instead, they took human skin and put it in an oven and baked it. You know what happens when you bake meat, it gets really tough, but that wasn't good enough. They took that baked human skin and then froze it. And then they applied the Roundup and hardly any was absorbed and they gave those numbers to the EPA. But they were also aware from the documents we now know that when they applied Roundup to the skin, to the shaved skin of, of rodents, there was an incredible amount of, of uh, damage. There was some deaths and there were some tumors. So they were aware of it and they, they acknowledged that the dermal application, in their words, of the Roundup could be related to these deaths and these tumors. So a friend of mine, Dr. Samsel, Anthony Samsel, he was spraying coyote urine around his organic uh, garden. But he I've, was done, I've done that also. Okay, so, <laughs> and it keeps the deer away. Um, but he was also spraying Roundup near his greenhouse. And when he ran out of coyote urine, he decided to, to fill a, a mason jar with his own urine and see if that would work. And where he sprayed it, the plants died. His, his urine was an herbicide. He had no idea. And so he double checked it in oh his lab. God. And sure enough, it was. He stopped spraying Roundup and his urine was no longer killing the plants. He said the Roundup may have gone through his rubber boots into his skin and systemically and not his urine. And the thing is, there is a, a chemical added to the glyphosate to drive it into the crops that also drives it into the skin and drives it through materials. And so the attorneys told me that when they put Roundup on a Tyvek suit and they dropped it on, it dripped through the Tyvek suit. So it is really penetrating. So when you tell me that your brother was applying it without proper safeguards and now he has cancer, I can understand the lineage behind that. Yeah, I mean, this is his entire life, lived on a cotton farm and was a cotton farmer his whole life. So you can only imagine the, the pesticide exposure. And, and so there's thousands of individuals who are suffering from health conditions and then switch to an organic diet improve. Uh, but we also know that there's many health conditions, over 30 health conditions attributed to GMOs and glyphosate. Can you talk about a few of those? Sure. Basically, it, it's almost all the ones that you know about that are on the rise that are popular. Autism, diabetes, high blood pressure, obesity, brain fog and fatigue and, and anxiety and depression, sleep disorders, ADHD, suicide by overdose, all sorts of things that we know have now plausible positive pathways. When I was touring after I released the movie Genetic Roulette, I had spoken at some medical conferences since 2006, and the doctors were starting to prescribe non-GMO diets to their patients and reporting to me dramatic improvements with basically their entire clinical population. It was shocking, and I went to verify by going to their clinics and interviewing patients, and it was also shocking to me. And then I went to farms who had taken 
pigs and cows off of GMO soy and corn, and they got better sometimes within days. And so I started asking audiences, what did you notice that you got better from when you switched to non-GMO organic? And the hands went up. And I asked, okay, how many people suffer from this and how many people? And in about 150 lectures, including two dozen medical conferences, where the audience wasn't speaking about their own experience, but about their patients, so the sample size was enormous, the number one, the number one improvement was always digestive. So when we surveyed 3,256 people who were uh, subscribed to the Institute for Responsible Technologies, the membership or subscription list, the number one result was digestion. 85.2% noticed an improvement in digestion, and not just a small improvement. Uh, at least 80% of those had at least a significant improvement, nearly gone or completely, completely disappeared. Then was fatigue which was always fatigue and brain fog were always the number two in all these 150 lectures, but I broke them up in the, in the survey. Fatigue was number two, weight problems number three, uh, brain fog number four, and then anxiety and depression, food allergies and sensitivities, and we're still above 50%. So more than half of the people got better from those particular diseases. Now, if you look at the disease charts, the, the correlation is incredible. The correlation doesn't prove causation, but it's important as an extra set of data to evaluate whether there is in fact causation. So when we look at autism, for example, the correlative, the, the correlation number is 0.997. A one is perfect correlation. This was 0.997 linking the amount of Roundup sprayed in the United States over the previous four years and the incidence of, of autism at six years old. It, and you look at the lines and it's just breathtaking. Now, is there a relationship? Well, my friend, Dr. Stephanie Seneff, a senior researcher at MIT, who's an expert at pulling down and looking at biological trends with all data to find patterns and causation, was trying to find the environmental insult that was causing autism. She brought down all the data about the physiological changes in autistic people. She looked at the why that could create the specific symptoms. She understood that, but she couldn't find the environmental Im, uh, impact until she went to a lecture by another friend of mine, Dr. Uh, Don Huber, who spent two hours talking about glyphosate. Stephanie said she sat at the edge of her chair, could not believe it because she had never heard of glyphosate. She had checked every other chemical, industrial chemical and pesticide that she knew about, never heard of glyphosate, but it fit hand in glove into being the causative agent linking to autism. But that's not all. If you look at glyphosate, now we can get into the GMO causation also, but glyphosate is easier to talk about because there's more data. There's hardly any studies by comparison on GMOs. Glyphosate damages, and by the way, for those interested in detox and rebuilding and repairing, consider what the damage is as I go through this list. Glyphosate was originally patented as a chelator to descale industrial boilers and pipes. Chelation is used in detox to grab the harmful chemicals, but this grabs all the minerals and makes them unavailable. So it create, creates mineral deficient plants where it's sprayed, mineral deficient animals that eat the Roundup Ready crops and the Roundup residues. So we eat mineral deficient animals, mineral deficient plants, and extra Roundup doses in the food which then grabs to the minerals in our bodies, making them unusable. Okay, mineral deficiency, 
a long list of diseases, right? That's one. It's also patented as an antibiotic. The microbiome, I assume that many of the people listening to you know how important and critical for life the gut microbiome is and the microbiome throughout our bodies. 80% of diseases are now linked to changes in the microbiome. And if you look at the changes in the gut microbes when you apply Roundup, it moves the health in a way that could, uh, that could link to all the different 28 different conditions that were described as getting people got better from when they switched to non-GM organic. I went with a microbiome expert who did the research on Roundup and I listed every one of those conditions and he explained, oh yeah, the short chain fatty acid depletion could do this, the changes here could do this. So microbe, the microbe disruption. It's also can create leaky gut. Leaky gut is also linked to virtually every disease. You can look at the, the published article all diseases begin in the leaky gut. It damages the mitochondria, another long list of diseases. And that can explain the, because the mitochondria are the energy centers, brain fog and fatigue, it explains it. Even the sleep disorders are explained because glyphosate blocks the ability of the gut microbiome, certain bacteria to produce the precursors to serotonin, which then changes to melatonin, which governs our sleep. And even without the sleep, if we just look at the serotonin, that could explain our, our anxiety and depression. It also has a problem when producing dopamine. These are the chemicals that we really want, but we're dismantling the metabolic pathways that create it. So the neurotransmitters can get messed up. The hormones can get messed up. The DNA can get messed up, which is linked to cancer, which is why the World Health Organization's committee declared it a probable human carcinogen. It can create birth defects and it can create epigenetic effects, changes in gene expression that can go on generation after generation after generation. When they injected Roundup into pregnant mice, the great-grandchildren suffered the most. 90% had serious disorders. It was increasing over time as the epigenetic changes were passed on from one to the other. So if you look at those, you understand the causative pathways. Now we can relate it to the high blood pressure and the diabetes and the weight problems and all that. And this is one reason why when people switch to organic and get rid of both the GMOs and the Roundup in one fell swoop, we see amazing recoveries. I don't know if you've seen the movie I did with Amy Hart, Secret Ingredients. We looked at people who switched to organic. Kids on the spectrum were no longer on the spectrum. Infertile couples got kids, people with brain fog and fatigue, digestive disorders, cancer, all of these different symptoms and conditions improved or disappeared and the doctors in there say this is what happens in our clinic every day and the scientists explain why yeah it, it's just mind-boggling when you when you look at these charts though you see when the glyphosate use began say the 1990s and as the glyphosate use goes up so does the rates for obesity autism allergies and asthma and so many of these other diseases that you talk about. And uh, it's it just, when you have an illness, when you have a health issue, you have to look at that underlying root cause and toxins today, and especially glyphosate are the number one primary root cause of diseases today. And everything you're saying really supports that. You know, it's interesting that when we talk about toxins, the body, as you know, and you're an expert more so than I am, have detox pathways. And there's some detox pathways that get compromised with the presence of glyphosate. First is the liver, the big detoxifier. 
the P450 cytochrome pathway, forget about what I just said. If you're not, if you don't into, not into jargon, but if you're into biology, then you go, oh my God, it hurts that. Yes, because those enzymes created by that pathway help the liver to detox. So when the liver can't do that, all of the other toxins that would normally be ushered out can hang out and do their dirty work. In the cells, you have the NRF2 uh, pathway, which releases toxins from the cells. That is dramatically reduced, dramatically reduced. You have problems with the kidneys as well. Kidney and liver problems were very common in the rats that were fed GMOs or Roundup. And there's a disease that has been killing so many farm workers in Sri Lanka and Central America where they spray Roundup and where there's arsenic in the soil. And they, there was a study that showed that the glyphosate, remember it's a chelator, probably grabs onto the arsenic, smuggles it into the body, gets it into the kidneys where the acidic nature splits the, the bond, and now the kidney is destroyed by both the arsenic and the glyphosate. So the, the number of, of people on dialysis machines and who have died from kidney problems in these regions is absolutely horrific. So when we look at the other toxins and their ability to leave the body, they're compromised because of glyphosate and Roundup. Yeah, and it's just, it's glyphosate's one of the reasons we're seeing so many health issues today. And I mean, can you talk about the lawsuits regarding cancer and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that have been brought against Monsanto and the results of those lawsuits? There have been three so far that have finished. There's some going on right now. And I've been involved with that. I've interviewed the, the lawyers. I was on national television with one of the lawyers and plaintiffs, the doctor's TV show for an hour. And in fact, there's a memo about me from Monsanto's files that made it into the, into the uh, lawsuit, made it into the trial and was read also in the closing arguments, how they tried to go after me when I exposed the, that children were most at risk from the health dangers of GMOs. So fortunately, the millions of pages of documentation that Monsanto was forced to turn over to the plaintiff's attorneys were actually made public. It was a trick that was done by the plaintiff's attorney. He had studied it and made a statement that was not responded to within 30 days by the opposition. And so he was able to release it publicly. And it was a shock to Monsanto because they never thought they'd ever have to be exposed about their internal documents. Because if they had thought, they would never have said such incriminating statements. They were bragging about ghostwriting articles about the safety of glyphosate when their own hired consultant, who was the best in the world, said, no, no, it probably causes cancer. They disregarded his report, never showed it to the EPA, which was legally required. Ghost wrote an article with the opposite conclusions and paid people to sign it. When the F FDA originally said it's, it's a possible human carcinogen, they pressured the FDA for years hiring a shill, apparently, a doctor to, to challenge saying, oh, there's a, here's a control and you could see there's a, there's a tumor here. No one saw the tumor, but they were, the documents pointed out that he was going to come to that conclusion even before he had ever seen the data. It was part of the setup. It found that the, that the 
the the laboratory which did its initial submissions to the FDA did it in such a way that it was so fraudulent that members of the, the executives went to jail. The Justice Department said it was the biggest scientific fraud in the history of the United States, possibly the world, for this industrial biotest, which was doing all these tests for Monsanto and many other companies. It was one of the largest in the world, and it was all fraudulent. So as you as the jury was listening to all of these things, how they rigged their research, fired, got scientists fired, um, got you know, pressure on reporters, paid off a journal editor to retract a study that showed that uh, the Seralini study that we reported on, which then was published by another peer-reviewed journal afterwards, third, passed its third peer review. It was amazing that all of the dastardly dark things that you would then, you would imagine that the worst corporations would do, it was right there in black and white. And the world's experts at the toxic toxicity were speaking on behalf of the plaintiffs. Monsanto brought in people that were not speaking in their area of expertise. They, if they had brought in the experts, they would have been forced to come to the same conclusions. So they were scientists in the jury. They were very intelligent people in the jury, and they were angry. Not only did they award compensatory damages, millions for the loss of people's health and the loss of life, but the punitive damages, the punitive damages bar is higher. It has to show that the company acted with malicious intent, and they did in every case. That's where the huge awards came. The first one, 39 million in compensatory, 250 million in punitive. By the third, it was, I think, 52 million in compensatory, Two billion in punitive. They that wanted to hurt like Monsanto. And sounds more appropriate. Yeah, yeah. The juries brought. I mean, the the judges brought the numbers down because they had to, according to certain rules. But now, Bayer, the aspirin maker, which bought Monsanto, they've been suffering from their purchase because they're now offering about sixteen billion in settlements for just non-Hodgkin lymphoma which is just one of the cancers it's associated with, which is just one of the disease classes which is associated with. I sent a, a video to the shareholders of Bear saying, you know, if you guys don't do this, this, and this, other juries are gonna be angry at you for trying to withhold this evidence. So either you pull glyphosate right away, but in any case, show us all the evidence and do the research, or you will go bankrupt if this goes to trial again and again and again in all these different disease categories with far greater numbers than the non-Hodgkin lymphoma actions. Yeah, I, it's, I loved it when the bear stock went down after this verdict came out about uh, Monsanto and uh, that the, the lawsuit was won against them. And uh, what are some of the other cancers that are caused by glyphosate and Roundup Ready weed killer? Well, I can say because I have to make friends with my inner attorney, I could say there's amazing evidence showing causation. The World Health Organization's uh, committee said that it definitely causes cancer in animals because there's a lot of animal studies, but you don't generally put humans through studies like that. But based on what we know, there's a probable human carcinogen and a definite animal carcinogen. And more information has come out since they have done their research confirming that. 
If you look at the data from the correlational gathering, you see that the Roundup use and also GMO use are correlated with cancers, deaths, and deaths and can cancers of the liver, the bladder, deaths from acute myeloid leukemia, kidney cancer, breast cancer. A study showed that with breast cancer, it interacts with another element that circulates in humans. And because it circulates in humans, it allows for the carcinogenic process to go on. There's ways that certain elements will trigger tumors and others that will accelerate the tumors. In the research done by Monsanto that was talked about in the, in the court case, they found that the greatest damage was accelerating existing tumor formation. So when they added something to rodents, I think it was rats, to create the tumor, and then they put glyphosate or Roundup exposure in one and not in the other, there weren't any tumors in one in the control group, but there was like 40% tumors in the other. So it was dramatic. When I talked to Dr. Anthony Samsel, he was able to get some secret EPA submitted documents for Monsanto with the help of his senator and found tumors all over the place in all sorts of organs. So it's not easy to say where it stops, where there's, we don't know if there's a cancer that's not promoted, either initiated or accelerated by glyphosate. We know that dogs didn't often have cancer. It was not even taught much in veterinary school by the veterinarians that I've interviewed. We have a, a Pets and GMOs website. But like, for example, Dr. Barbara Royal, who was uh, Oprah's vet, she said when GMOs were introduced and Roundup was introduced into the human food supply because the animals, the pets, get the byproducts of the human industrial food system, they were getting tons of Roundup and GMOs. And then the, the glyphosate started to accelerate. Now dogs have the highest rate of cancer of any mammal, one in every 1.6 dogs is the estimate right now. I remember uh, talking to one um, doctor who wrote a syndicated column for 25 to 30 million readers, Dr. Michael Fox, and he said that when GMOs were introduced, he got a raft of letters from dog owners saying they're dealing with you know, itching and other allergic reactions, diarrhea and digestive problems right away and he wrote him back letters individually saying, get him off of the GMOs. And he said he has a file cabinet filled with letters confirming that that worked. So when you have practitioners before, during, and after the introduction, like Dr. Michelle Perro, a pediatrician, who saw the devastating damage among the children that she was working with, and another uh, veterinarian that I talked to who looked at the cows, devastating changes, no one else was putting it together. And the other practitioners that started their practice after GMOs and Roundup were introduced, they consider that normal because it is normal today because the glyphosate and Roundup and GMOs are in so many things. Finally, when you look at the actual studies that are done by the industry to try and prove that their GMOs and Roundup are safe, they do such terrible things. Like I told you about the cooking of the human skin, that's typical, right? But one thing that they do is they feed standard lab chows to their rats and mice, and those are full with GMOs and Roundup. So their experimental group has GMOs and Roundup, 
and their control has GMOs in Roundup. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so like, not quite science. Yeah, yeah. And it, that brings me to another question. Another round of questions is, uh, you know, even people that are eating organic, trying to get organic vegetables, if you eat conventional animal products, conventional animal you know, proteins and meats, they're all fed genetically modified corn and soy. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, the, the six major GMOs, they're all Roundup ready among, and they also, some of them also produce a toxic insecticide called BT. Soy, corn, these are all fed to animals. Cotton, cotton seeds fed to animals. Canola, canola seeds, canola cakes. Sugar beet pulp and alfalfa. Now it's devastating for the animals. There's a lot of reasons. I mean, their gut bacteria, complete changes. I talked to one veterinarian, he said the Clostridia A that he was looking at just over, over exploded and became toxic. He had to produce kind of probiotic. There's a way that the glyphosate kills the bacteria that keeps the botulism production in check from Clostridia botulinum. That gets knocked down easily. So the botulism can go up when you have chronic botulism which is deadly for animals and can cause sudden infant death syndrome or is linked to sudden infant death syndrome in children and babies. There's uh, a lot of problems with miscarriages and infertility. There's mineral deficiency. There's all sorts of uh, deformed births. I mean, and we've identified in peer-reviewed studies, they've, they've seen that the, the animals that have the, the deformities have high levels of glyphosate. And so from the animal side, it's devastating. And then we eat the diseased, mineral deficient, glyphosate ridden animals. And you don't have to be a scientist to be put off by it. I was interviewing a woman whose husband ran their family farm. And she said she'd seen the recently butchered cows that were either non-GMO fed or GMO fed. And the GMO fed cows, she said, they smelled terrible. They were discolored. It was disgusting. She said, just by looking and smelling them, she would never feed her children ever animal products from animals that were fed GMOs. And I've heard that many times. Um, in fact, the animals look like they're 15 years older, according to some people I've spoken with, because it ravages the body. Yeah, I'm assuming a lot of this meat, they just add red food coloring to it to make it look healthy and pink because it's definitely not arriving at the stores looking like as red and you know uh, appetizing as it does. No way. Well, I don't know what they do to, to dress it up because I never see conventional meat. <laughs> I, I think I, I, I know about that too much. It's like, when you know about it, you got to make some decisions quick. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so how does Monsanto exert influence over the farmers, over the media, over the government, the scientists, like how, how is it they have become so powerful and, and, and enabling, really poisoning the United States and the entire planet? I mean, they really try to infiltrate every single country with their genetically modified seeds and pesticides. You know, you named the big four. These are the, these are the categories that I've identified as their targets farmers, academia, which includes the scientists, government, and media. And I have exposed that in my books, in my movies, in articles, and it's pretty comprehensive. So to give you an example, when the World Health Organization's 
International Agency for Research on Cancer declared that glyphosate was a probably human carcinogen. Monsanto was tipped off by one of their lapdogs at the EPA about the fact that IARC was doing a glyphosate analysis. So they had months to prepare. And so we now have the document of how they planned to exert influence. They had their handy paid scientists, including the scientists they pay to try and discredit me. They had front groups. They had people who were far more organizations that get paid by them, so they do their bidding. They had they ghost wrote articles for for scientists and uh, supposed opinion leaders for Forbes and various journals. They created a so-called independent panel. They paid people to be on the independent panel and then wrote their conclusions and had them sign it. They organized among their influence in Washington to try and defund and discredit the World Health Organization because it had just declared its uh, chemical toxic. It was incredible. I mean, like a friend of mine, Carrie Gillum, wrote a book, and there's a whole multiple spreadsheets about how they were going to attack her and get reviews written for Amazon and others by their people that they would write and other people would sign that were written in advance. And then, you know, I, I had that, I had to face the same thing with Seeds of Deception. You know, I had to call, contact Amazon and say, this is a, a, a shill. They have, in the, in the Roundup trial, it was brought out that they have a budgetary item called Let Nothing Go, where if anyone mentions anything negative about their products, they counter it. They have troll farms for social media. They will attack scientists. They'll try and get them fired or censured. And it's pretty remarkable how effective they've been. They will, they've hired PR firms to rate or PR and, and, and intelligence firms to rate the re reports by different uh, reporters who report who are doing reports on Monsanto's materials. And then they would hire another person, another group to reward those who were positive and to attack those that weren't. And we have, we have transcripts and leaked documents how they did it. When they went into India to try and convince the farmers that genetically engineered cotton would give them riches, they rigged their research, they hid facts, they had big pictures of supposed farmers that made money that weren't farmers at all. One was a cigarette salesman or a farmer standing by his tractor. They took a picture as if they had, he had bought the tractor because he could afford it after using the cotton. When that person was tracked down, he said, no, no, I, I'd never use that again. The tractor had nothing to do with the cotton. But they were able to convince the, and they had Hollywood, Bollywood actors, and they paid the most popular and wealthy farmers in the area to hold free uh, festivals where they gave out seeds and everything. It was just a full court press. And it was such a disaster, the seeds, which they didn't sprout properly or they didn't generate, they didn't germinate, they had a root rod or leaf curl or um, took more labor or, or were poor quality. A lot of the farmers who were believing these this full-on marketing effort couldn't get loans from the government to pay for these expensive seeds, which were over a thousand times more per gram than in the U.S. So they borrowed money from the secondary market, loan sharks. They were charging 7% a month, for example. And when the end of the season came and they couldn't pay back their loans, they were facing losing their land and many committed suicide, 250,000 
cotton farmers that were planting genetically engineered cotton committed suicide. It's that many people, that yeah. many farmers. It was 300,000 that committed suicide, and we believe 250,000 was specifically because of the failure to, of their BT cotton to perform. And that was based on door-to-door -door surveys of, you know, every year, 100, 100 families where there was a suicide, and about 95% were direct or indirect because of that. Yeah, that's just, it's just unbelievable yeah. um, that the destruction this company causes. Yeah. Um, can you talk about Mexico? I currently live in Mexico and uh, Mexico, I was really happy to read that Mexico had decided to ban glyphosate and phase it out by 2024. And part of me was like, mm, let's see how long that lasts. And then lo and behold, I saw some new news that they've decided to repeal that. Do you know what's going on there? Why that was revised? You know, I'm not sure it is currently repealed. It may have it may have landed and last I heard it was still on that there was an effort to repeal it by a minister who was, you know, a lot of the ministers of agriculture are really like ministers of Monsanto. I've spoken in 45 countries and I, the activists locally first gave me the lay of the land and say, OK, these ministries or these ministers, these regulatory agencies, they're all captured and then these ones are independent. Yeah, I think that the, the, the government may be holding to its ban on glyphosate, its phase out, as well as GMO corn. It's interesting, the, you know, the US government and the industry immediately decided to put pressure on Monsanto to reverse that decision. But the non-GMO farmers in America were saying, we can give you what you need. You know, everyone else was saying, we can't give you, you're going to be starving. We can't give you all that. It's like, yeah, we can. We can give you non-GMO corn. You, you want it? We can create it. We'll plant non-GMO seeds. My goodness, this is what farmers can do. They can meet the needs of their customers. And so with Mexico, it had been kind of in the pocket of the biotech, sort of, on and off. Mexico is the, is the origin in the, of, the, of the genetics of corn, a lot of varieties of natural corn. So they didn't want GMO corn planted there. In fact, even though it wasn't allowed, it had been planted and the pollen traveled and they found contamination far from where it had been planted. In fact, they found contamination in the cotton 2000 kilometers from where they were planting GM cotton in Mexico. So my friend Ignacio Chapella, who's a professor at Berkeley, discovered contamination of GM corn and was basically threatened and shot. He was just treated terribly by the industry. And he published an article and they forced a retraction. They lied about, I mean, it was just a classic hatchet job, which I described in Seeds of Deception, but it was trying to get Mexico to adopt GMOs. Uh, a beekeeper was able to keep it out of one uh, region because it, he showed that it was gonna damage indigenous corn and mess up the the bees. Finally, the government saw the light and said no GMOs and no glyphosate because of human health concerns. So it's, it's a rare thing for a government to stand up to the U.S. government and Monsanto because the U.S. government has been working lockstep as Monsanto's enforcement wing. If you look at WikiLeaks, you can see that ambassadors to France, to Spain, like the ambassador to France said, um, urged Washington to create a retaliation list to cause harm, 
caused some pain on those on those countries that were blocking GMOs. The Spanish ambassador said, I just met with Monsanto's director in the region, and can you please help the Spanish government create a pro-GMO policy and this and this and this. I mean, they, the U.S. government is working on behalf of the biotech industry. Phil Barriano, another friend, was debating someone from USAID, the Agency for International Development in South Africa, more than a decade ago, maybe even two decades ago. And after the lights went down in the TV studio, they continued to argue uh, privately. And at one point, the AID person said, you just wait, we'll plant so much genetically engineered corn in South Africa, the entire continent will be contaminated, and then no one can be non-GMO. By design, this was. So if you look at it, the U.S. government has been a bully. Monsanto has been a bully. And still, consumers have now rejected GMOs in large numbers. 51% of the U.S. population thinks GMO foods are unsafe. And I helped make that happen. 48% of the world's population. So the consumers are dictating marketplace realities because food companies like Kraft and General Mills, etc., are systematically removing GMOs so that their competitors that have a non-GMO label on the same shelf don't steal their customers. Yeah, and it's sad that you know you talk about the pollinization of uh, crops that are non-GMO or organic, and the concern is since GMOs have been planted since the 90s, there's been a substantial amount of cross-pollinization inadvertently. So what's in store for us uh, genetically uh, in the future, for genetic engineering Ooh. in the future? It, I mean, is it true that genetically altering uh, microbes can cause you know all these different problems and even collapse of our ecosystems? I'm afraid so. Let me say that we've been very successful in educating consumers, changing policy of, of industry, and in many cases, changing policy of governments related to GMO foods. But now there's gene editing. So the biotech industry was aware that they lost the public relations debates on GMOs. And so they were dead set on trying to convince governments, most importantly, and then consumers, that gene editing was not GMO. Gene editing is GMO, just genetic engineering. It's a new version, but it also creates massive collateral damage, causing all sorts of side effects. As one nature writer wrote, chromosomal mayhem, just potential disaster. But it's cheap. It's easy. You can get a gene editing CRISPR kit for $169 on Amazon. You can build your own lab at home for one to $2,000 and have make new GMO microbes every day and escort them out the door, take them for a walk, name them for your friends. It's absolutely tragic because GMOs, if they survive, if they can survive in the wild, and many do, it's irreversible. They will propagate. If it's a microbe, they can travel around the world. They can mutate. Microbes go to swap meets and change, exchange genes. So if you release a gene altered microbe in your garage, it may end up on the other side of the world. The gene may be in hundreds or thousands of different classes of microbes wreaking havoc. We now know that the microbiome is so important, not just for human health, but for the environment, for the soil. 
So if you go to protectnaturenow.com, which is our new campaign that's trying to prevent this existential threat from taking place, the genetic engineering and damage of the microbiome, if you go to protectnaturenow.com, you can watch my latest film, which is my shortest 16 minutes called Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle. And it shows one example of a genetically engineered bacterium, which had it been released as planned in the 90s, it theoretically could have ended terrestrial plant life. Another one, had it been released as planned, could have theoretically altered weather patterns. These were the gene, the gene altered microbes, if they had done what they were supposed to do and had a survival advantage, it could have been a disaster. It doesn't even take into account the side effects from genetic engineering, the mutations, and the gene swapping, all of which amplify the risks. So Protect Nature Now at protectnaturenow.com, I'm emphasizing that, I'll explain why. Protect Nature Now is a campaign to convince governments to lock them down, to not allow any outdoor release. And this is urgent. Now that we have gene editing kits and home kits and high school kits and college kits and big government laboratories and especially the biotech industry with the ability to produce thousands through robotics driven by artificial intelligence, we could see millions of new GM microbes introduced into our environment this generation. That could destroy the nature of nature. It could damage or collapse ecosystems. It can create new diseases in our bodies. Something released to help the soil in Arkansas could destroy the microbiome of an infant in South Africa. We don't know, and we don't have enough data and understanding about the microbiome to take these risks. So what we are doing is educating and activating. The film is the quickest way to educate. Don't let the gene out of the bottle. Right next to the film, you can click on an advocacy platform. Enter your information, all your elected officials show up with that month's campaign. That information that's gonna, that we want your elected officials to get that month. You click and send it, or you customize it and send it. You can tweet them, you can send a press release or press materials out to local media in your area. And people who visited protectnaturenow.com have sent out tens of thousands of messages to elected officials and media in the United States and Canada, UK, EU, and Australia. Those are loaded right now into the database. So we have now, I think the current one, or just finishing is the gain of function because we also want to stop the, the laboratory enhancement of potentially pandemic pathogens, which if they escape, will create new pandemics. So we have two goals in the campaign. No gain of function enhancement of pathogens that can create pandemics, duh, and two, no outdoor release of any GMO microbes that can disturb or destroy the precious microbiome and that has co-evolved with us for billions of years, that we've outsourced 90% of our daily metabolic functions to, that take care of our children, that help us heal, that help us digest and detox. We want to protect the little guys who are working on our behalf, and we need to do that now. So while you're at protectnaturenow.com, please also make a recurring donation so that we can know that money is coming each month and 
hire the people and make the educational assets we need. So this is a global new movement, a new global movement that gets echoed in the halls of regenerative agriculture, which requires the soil microbiome to function, which echoes in the halls of functional medicine, which requires a healthy microbiome, and animal rights, and birders, and gardeners, that every major movement that needs the microbiome to meet their goals echoes this need to protect and safeguard the nature of nature by eliminating genetically engineered microbes from the from being released into the environment this is such an important message and that's why us at myers detox we support the institute for responsible technology and i encourage anyone out there that is feeling very moved by this podcast and by this message to also support with a recurring donation at jeffrey's work because it's incredibly important i mean it's just the impact the the, the existential crisis that we're having right now on this planet as a result of GMOs and glyphosate, it cannot be just overstated. It's just so profound, the negative impact these technologies are having on the earth and on our health. Thank you for that. Thank you for your support, Wendy. I, I, I find that the message now is way easier to convey. People get it. I mean, what's interesting is we have now a deep understanding of the corruption of regulatory agencies. Everyone understands that regulators are often captured by the companies they're supposed to be regulating. Everyone understands now about the micro, well, a lot of people about the microbiome and about its importance. And that has been made more clear from the pandemic because everyone now knows that microbes can travel around the world and mutate and wreak havoc. So there's an awakening in the population, the receptor cells are opening. And because of the 25 years that we've been spending and others on educating people about the dangers and mishaps of GMOs, it's all coming together. So we now have members of Congress who are interested in speaking with us because they're interested in supporting our goals. I'm gonna to go to DC soon. And I can't name the people I'm meeting with because you know what's gonna happen if Monsanto hears that. But we have unprecedented support right now. So we're scrambling to meet the opportunities. I, we're doing a webinar on regenerative agriculture with some of the world's greatest minds in that area because they have ways to draw down carbon into the soil. But if, they, if we mess up the microbiome with GMOs, then their goals are un, unattainable, unattainable. The ability to pull down excess carbon back into the soil, it's available as long as the, we allow the microbes to do the heavy lifting. So there, I'm, I'm very optimistic. We have more opportunities than we can handle right now because we have very small staff, but we ultimately need to open up offices in every continent. We need to have you know, the PR person, the, 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 the marketing wing or, or firm. We have a production department. We're just scrambling to keep up with conveying it. So, Thank you for supporting us, and we're not going to let you down. Yeah, and I mean, I personally believe the dark is working for the light. Everything that some of these evil corporations do wakes up more people to then become activists and 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 help make better choices, vote with their dollars. And I think more and more and more people are waking up to what is going on. And uh, you know, I think the things that they're trying to do. Uh, ultimately won't work because it seems like a very formidable 
foe to have this multi, multi, multi-billion dollar corporation and you're they are fighting against this person and other people are as well. But I, I truly believe that we will win out over this corporation and people, more and more people will wake up and make different choices. It's working. I'll tell you, you know, I, I'm not a scientist. I didn't, I didn't uh, go to school to fight GMOs. I'm more of a strategic communication person. And when I learned about GMOs, I realized there's no real opposition to them being formed with proper communication. No one's going into the health dangers. No one's sharing that information in a way that it can get out. And we've seen that you know, our efforts are paying off hugely. So I'm, I, I know that we can do this. And I've, I'm very encouraged by the early indicators. I mean, we just started, we basically just launched Protect Nature now formally this year. We've got about 60 international organizations that are allies. We have members of Congress interested. We've written two white papers, a legislative report. We've got the Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle and, and its trail, trailer has had more than a million views together. And we're, we're doing some more educational assets, but it, it's, it's getting out there. Fantastic. And so how can people heal from GMOs and from Roundup? Is there, is there any hope? Well, at livehealthybewell.com, I try to answer that with the help of 18 experts in a uh, summit that I did called Healing from GMOs and Roundup. So that's livehealthybewell.com. And I'm not a scientist, I'm not a practitioner. So I'm not qualified to answer the question, but I'm more than qualified to ask the questions. So I asked the, the great minds that I could put together over the last few years, what their recommendation, what products, you know, the type of sauna, the type of this, all the different things that you know, well, in terms of detoxing. But when you think about it, there's very specific things that glyphosate, for example, does. It pulls, it, it chelates the minerals, so you need to remineralize. It damages the neurotransmitters because it robs us of L-tryptophan, tyrosine, and phenylalanine. So what well, you have to stop taking glyphosate, but then maybe compensate there. It can mess up the hormones. It can damage the mitochondria. There's different, it can cause toxicity or, or changes in the DNA, which can lead to cancer. It can cause leaky gut. There's for specific things we know that it does. And so the regimen that these doctors and practitioners have handle it from different angles. And so I don't try to compile all of them into one because again, I'm not qualified. I can just say, here's what this doctor said. Here's what this scientist said. Here's what this nutritionist said so that people can make their own protocols that work for them. Yeah, I personally love the the ion cleanse foot bath. Uh, that's one of the things I personally think is most effective nice. against uh, glyphosate. That's mm -hmm. what I use. So tell us more about uh, where we can learn more about your work and make a donation. I'm encouraging everyone listening to contribute what they can because Jeffrey's work is so, so important. So tell us where they can do that. I'm going to give three websites. We've mentioned two of them already, so I'll start with those. ProtectNatureNow.com is all about our new campaign to protect the global microbiome. Watch the free 16-minute film. Go to the advocacy platform to get the word out and make a donation if you can. It's a nonprofit. The name of the nonprofit is the Institute for Responsible Technology. And 
Its website is responsibletechnology.org. A lot of information on ge genetic engineering and, and glyphosate. And you can get a report there of which foods have high levels of glyphosate residues and which ones have low levels. So if you can't eat organic, which doesn't allow the use of glyphosate, take a look at that. You can avoid the GMOs and you can avoid the high glyphosate sponges to eat healthier. And then Live Healthy, Be Well. That's the name of my podcast. Uh, you can access the Secret Ingredients movie, the 90-Day Lifestyle Upgrade to help people move into an organic lifestyle, the Healing from GMOs and Roundup. So those are the three websites, protectnaturenow.com, responsibletechnology.org, livehealthybewell.com. If you have pets, go to petsandgmos.com. And I think that after the discussion today, the first stop would be watch that film, Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle at Protect Nature Now. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Jeffrey, do you have any parting thoughts or anything that we left out of this very, uh, very comprehensive conversation yet that you want the listeners to hear? Sure. You know, we covered a lot of ground, Wendy, and it's like a lot of people typically will go, I can't believe they would do this. There's outrage to be had. We can all get a big dose of outrage just by reading a little bit about Monsanto. It's incredible. Or a little bit about the FDA or the EPA. Absolutely incredible. And we can blame them and we can offload the problem to incompetency, corruption, narrow thinking, etc. An underlying cause of the whole problem is the sense that things like that are other people's responsibility. When I travel around the world, I'll speak to members of parliament or regulatory agencies or whatnot, and they say, we don't have to test GMOs, your FDA has tested them and approved them. We can just accept them. And I tell them, you know, the FDA does not test for GMOs. They have no required approving process. Their policy is that they let Monsanto and other GMO makers decide if their foods are safe. And if you look at the research that, that Monsanto does, I talked to a former Monsanto scientist. He said that when they found that corn damaged rats, that was genetically engineered corn, instead of withdrawing the corn, they rewrote the study to hide the effects. So no one is taking responsibility. So when you hear about all this outrageous things, we can feel disempowered, we can feel angry, we can feel sad, we can feel frustrated or fearful. We can digest this information in a different way, though. We can digest it and take, instead of feeling like a victim, feel like a victor. Instead of giving away the power, we can take our power back, become empowered, and say, I will choose what I call food and what I call food-shaped objects. I will choose and not have it chosen by Monsanto or their enforcement wing in Washington. I will protect the microbiome now that humanity has reached the time where we can inexpensively redirect the streams of evolution for all time. I'm part of that humanity. I will do what I can and take responsibility, whether it's passing on information to your senators, making a donation, becoming an advocate, who knows what works for you, but it's the attitude of, I'll take on this responsibility. I'll undo the training of giving away my power to schools and governments and media and doctors and say, no, 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 no. That's, that's an epidemic of misthinking. We're all in this together. What can I do? Now, 
let's not think, well, I can't do everything, so I can't do anything. That's the other thing that keeps us frozen. We think, well, you know, there's this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem, overwhelm. First of all, if you're really digesting the emotions, you're not getting overwhelmed. I'm optimistic. I'm not fearful. I'm not angry. I'm not upset about this. I'm moving forward. And so are so many people. So that is internally making this sustainable so you can pay attention to it and not be hurt and stressed and disabled by it. Second, you take an inventory of what you can do and what you can't, and you feel good about it because you're not going to be able to do everything on your ideal to-do list. I can't, no one can, but we do what we can and don't turn away the opportunity to take responsibility and to share the inspirations that we got that made us interested in taking charge with others so that we can build our ranks. I guess that's what I wanted to say to your very highly educated audience that have been working already to clean itself, clean everyone, you know, they're working to detox and now they have a lot more energy. <laughs> yes, ex exactly. Well, uh, Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I just love your passion. I love your dedication uh, with the decades of work that you put into educating the public. I know there's been a lot of personal sacrifice in that and attacks and things like that. So I so applaud your work and your heroism. I, I respect you so much. And I thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Wendy. And thank you for the great work you're doing. In this toxic age, detoxification is super important. Thank you for being a leader in that. Thank you. And everyone, thanks so much for tuning in every week to the Myers Detox podcast, because I know that you're very concerned about your health. And I really love educating you about the impact that toxins have on your health. So you can get to the true underlying root cause of your health issues and enjoy the health that, and the joy uh, that you deserve. So thanks for tuning in every week. And I'll talk to you guys very soon. The Myers Detox Podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.